I think we've pretty much educated the people <laughs> that it, they will be getting generic. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Making the Difference podcast. I'm Harriet Vickers. In this episode, well, here's a bit of a teaser. Christmas all wrapped up. The on-hand dispenser from Sellotape. The more carpet you have, the more you need Hoover. Kleenex. Someone needs one. Do you get it? They're all brand names which are better used than the name of the actual thing that they're selling. And of course this happens in medicine too. So EpiPen, Ventolin, Viagra. I'm guessing they're sounding more familiar than epinephrine auto-injector, salbutamol and sildenafil. And this isn't really surprising given the advertising budgets of pharmaceutical companies and the time that drugs are on patent and so the only form available. These names are going to stick more than the generics. But prescribing a brand name drug when a viable, cheaper and approved generic is available isn't good practice. The cost of brand name drugs compared to generics is the most obvious issue. In the US, where we're taking the podcast this week, $300 billion was spent on medicines last year. And patients will pay 50% less for generics on their copay insurance. Prescribing brand name drugs can also mean a lot of time spent sorting out prior authorizations in America. For you non-US listeners, that's the back and forth and the paperwork with insurance companies to see if they'll cover a prescription. And also changing prescriptions to cheaper drugs when insurance companies refuse to pay for pricey ones. It takes time. Those are the sticks for prescribers, but there are also carrots too. State incentives to encourage high generic prescription rates. They have these in Michigan. I'm honing in now on the team we're going to. But still the generic prescription rate in the Michigan State University Health Team was only around 35%. And for the paediatric clinics, it was even lower, only 21%. So the paediatric team decided to do something about it. And as you're going to hear, they managed to make a really big difference. I had a chat with a couple of the team who ran the QI project over the phone a few weeks ago. These are Sath Sudantha, who's a paediatrician and assistant professor in paediatrics at Michigan State University, and also Carrie Chandler, who's the nurse manager at the clinic. Carrie describes herself as... So I'm one of the nurses that puts patients in, answers phones, and, you know, I'm just here. I'm here all the time. Which makes her sound like a really useful person to have on a QI project. First of all, I really wanted to know what their perception was of why brand name drugs were getting prescribed over generics. You know, we, we get bombarded in all the medical journals and you go to any co- medical conferences, there are stalls right there and they, they give out samples. They say, hey, this is a new brand and it's in the Medicaid, it's in the it's covered by this insurance versus that insurance. And, and then th- sometimes they may be the first brand who actually introduced that type of a medication. So, for example, Ritalin. Ritalin, it's what you know, I It's too. kind of the first ADHD medication that was on the market. So after the patent is done, you still remember that uh, medication by its brand name, even though lesser cost alternative generic brands have already come in. And then many of these brand names also make it as an over-the-counter for many of these medications. So patients come and say, yeah, I want this versus, you know, if we prescribe the generic name, they are not really convinced that uh, that's the medication that we are prescribing. 
Those yeah. brand names get imprinted into your mind. <laughs> yeah, okay. And into the patient's parents' minds as well. That's what they ask for. That's how we, how we speak. So how to tackle the problem? When they gathered baseline data, the biggest wins looked possible with the ADHD medications, so they mostly focused on these. In their first PDSA cycle, they simply asked providers to prescribe generics and not brands, and asked the nursing staff to switch to generics when they refilled meds. But they didn't really see much of an effect. It turned out to not be that simple. That is a scary thing for a nurse to... Yeah, yeah. Basically re-prescribe. Right. And, and so it, it took a lot of, you know, writing it down, asking the physician that was here today and, and making sure, making just like absolutely double, triply sure that I am actually typing in the right medicine. That may, It was a little bit cumbersome at first. Not that we didn't want to do it, but it was a, a little bit of a struggle. And I, I think, uh, you know, hearing that in the meetings was really important because we have a liaison with the health information team here from our clinic. So uh, they, he, he, he or she brings it back to the IT. What the IT department did was add the generic names to the electronic health records so they could be easily looked up. That was PDSA cycle two. They still weren't quite there yet, though. When we talked to the nurses and the prescribing staff, there was still quite a significant confusion about which brand names goes to which generics. Mm. So that's when uh, we, we sat down again with the IT and said, you need to rename this saying that, you know, um, you know methylphenidate ER, 18 milligram generic for concerta or what you know whatever that might be so it, it it needs that generic name and then uh, also it's it should say what is it generic for which brand name so that it's easier for anybody i mean let alone a nursing staff even for providers it's sometimes confusing in the heat of the moment like you know there are so many brand names for the methylphenidate so which one should i choose and is it a extended release? Is it a short release? So it's a, it's a lot of confusion. So I think uh, we uh, we tried to achieve that in our um, in our cycle three, probably. Yeah. Great. And uh, did did that help? It did. Immensely. It did. Even <laughs> immensely, it did. I think uh, the feedback from the nurses was great in the sense that it was much lesser confusion. I mean, there were still some some questions mm-hmm. here and there, um, but uh, there was much lesser confusion and. Uh, the process and the provider's informal feedback was also positive. And then, of course, you start just knowing them. You start becoming yeah. comfortable with them and, and thinking in terms of methylphenidate instead of Concerta, you know. Um, and, and now it's just habit. It's just I, I a think, normal yeah. process now. So getting more really clear, easily searchable data into the electronic system was key to cracking that problem. But what about the other group that needed to get on board with generics, patients and their families? That was one of the things that we really talked about is like the pushback from the patients. How how would the patients react to see the, some other medication on their scripts and the bottles? But I, you know, I think that was one of the major surprises that we got is we didn't have a whole lot of pushback. Overall, you know, it was not a huge impact. It was not a huge commotion. But but many times, you know, the providers usually would say, you know, um, we are going to do the concerta, but it will not say concerta in your in your prescription. It will say a different name, because what happens is before this project, when we write concerta, that would be what was in the prescription. But then 
they didn't really look at the prescription bottle a whole lot, you know, the uh, patients. So they still thought, well, I got Concerta, but, you know, uh, but when they actually looked at the prescription, sometimes they have questions about, well, I take Concerta, why is this uh, something else? So there was a little bit of communication, but I think on the whole, um, it was not a huge problem. I agree with that. And the results they had from all these efforts? They increased generic prescribing from 21% to 53% at the end of 12 months and then 65% at the end of two years. If you just look at the top three brand name drugs, look at the number prescribed before and after the project and the cost difference between the brand and the generic, they save $54,000 across four quarters. $54,000. That's getting on for the average salary of a nurse. They told me the key to their success was just good old-fashioned cooperation and teamwork. In general, our clinic does work as a team. Yeah. When we and and these things are best accomplished if a team is working on it. <laughs> From the nurses' point of view, it the to have physicians whom you can ask and uh, feel comfortable asking the question: Is this the correct medicine? Made all the difference in the world to us. So that communication between all the team members is important. I think the backbone of the success is basically because all the providers, we have like about eight to nine docs here and then about four to five nursing staff in here. And then we have another clinic that has another four to five nursing staff. I think the biggest thing would be the buy-in from your staff. We've done a lot of QI projects in our clinic and every time... We put the onus on the nurses and the staff. <laughs> um, you know, come up with something. We say, hey, you know, this really is important for the patient health, and they they, they buy in. I mean, that's mm-hmm. that's how the you know. Otherwise, if the staff doesn't buy in, it's not going to be any success at all. Great. Well, I hope you're very nice to them. <laughs> <laughs> they are. <laughs> Thanks there to Sath Sudantha and Carrie Chandler for sharing that with us. Of course, the full project write-up is on BMJ Quality Improvement Reports. You can follow the link in the blurb to read it or look it up. The full name of the report is Improving Viable Low-Cost Generic Medication Prescription Rate in Primary Care Paediatric Practice. You might have noticed that I've completely ignored the fact that last week was the forum, or the International Forum on Quality and Safety in Healthcare to give it its full name. I haven't forgotten or missed it, I've actually got loads of really great audio from there for you. Don Berwick, a debate on innovation versus efficiency, a collection of patient stories. And first up is a look at quality improvement and movement with Fiona Moss and others. Where we've come from, the philosophy that underpins QI and some advice on how to do it. That'll be up in two weeks, so come back then. Thanks, Well, that went really well. Yeah, it's nice. 